daily. And so the Christopher saw a new birth. It's a new person, a new creation, for whom old things are replaced by new. Um, and it's this new creation, rather than superficial participation in religious practices, that is the goal of the Christian life. It involves laying aside the old nature. The old things are passed away and putting on the new nature. And um, however, this is never the result of human effort alone. As the Bible says, we are God's workmanship. That you know, we're redeemed by God. We don't save ourselves. But in our continual progressive sanctification, it does involve our cooperation to walk in the Spirit. We're going to talk more about that aspect of it in two weeks or so. Um, next Sunday, um, my father-in-law is going to be preaching for us. Um, so we should be here next week. Um, Gary Lansky um, be um, giving us the Word of God. Um, well, we might be just barely making it from a 40-mile hike. And so I didn't want you to have a dead person trying to preach. Amen. So... Um, pray for us for safety as we um, go on a hike in the Olympic National Park and um, and have a good time enjoying nature. But um, so we have a guest speaker next week, and uh, but the following week after that, um, we'll continue this message on sanctification from the part that we don't get finished today. But so three stages of sanctification. Okay, positional. Progressive and complete. Because then when we are saved, um, or when, 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 when we die um, and go to be with the Lord, and then or when the rapture happens, our sanctification will be complete. That will be made perfectly in the image of Christ. And so it will be complete then. But we're talking about the first one first. Sanctification has a definite beginning of regeneration. That when the Spirit of God, as the Bible says, quickens us, makes us alive, that's the beginning of sanctification. A definite moral change occurs in our lives at the point of regeneration. Paul talks about the washing of regeneration and renewal in the Holy Spirit in Titus 3, 5. Um, and the Bible says once we are born again, we no longer live a life that is characterized by sin, but one of righteousness. 1 John, 1, uh, uh, 1 John 3.9 says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Now, some people will take that verse and come up with a total unscriptural teaching to teach that once you're saved, that you no longer sin anymore, or that you can come to a point where you're no longer sinning anymore in this life. But what this verse is actually saying is that okay, the Spirit of God is, or the Spirit of God causes us to be born again. And the Spirit in us does not sin. And that's why Paul says there's a battle. The spirit is sometimes indeed willing, but the flesh is not. And so Paul talks about how there's this battle between spirit and the flesh, and um, we'll get to that in a little bit. 
But we see John, the same one that said here about, about our um, sin, about being born of God does not commit sin, he also writes, as we'll see shortly, that he also said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And so that's why it's important to see the whole of Scripture and to read the context, but particularly of the writer here. We see John writing. And so what he is saying, though, that when someone is saved, their life ought not to be characterized by habitual sin. Okay? A Christian should not be known in their life as they are a perpetual fornicator or a perpetual drunkard. That should not be what their life is marked by. Now, can a Christian struggle with those things? Yes. You know what? And while we are still in our flesh, there can still be struggles with it. But when we're saying that should not have dominion over us like it did before we were saved. The power of new spiritual life within us keeps us from yielding to a life of sin. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Again, kind of Paul here now talking about how our life as Christians should not be characterized by sin. It says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? Sin is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And now if we just do a surface reading of that, we'd be like, oh, then nobody's saved, because everybody is a sinner. But you see, here's what Paul, um, in some writing, says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified. There's that word, ye are sanctified. Ye are set apart. Ye are made holy, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That, that was your life. That's how your life was characterized. But now you're redeemed. You've been sanctified. You've been set apart. Doesn't mean you never struggle with these sins in the flesh, but you know, we should not just refer to our life by our past. We should not even refer to our life completely in that we're sinners. Yes, are we sinners? Yes. But is that our identity? No. Our identity is in Christ. And in Christ, we have His righteousness. Our sins were imputed to Him, and His righteousness was imputed to us as believers. We're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts 20, verse 32, it says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. And so again, you see that building up, you see that growth, 
uh, for those that are sanctified. Who are to sanctify? To save. You know the word saint. Okay, you know, it means there's sanctified. You know, the Catholic Church has their meaning of saint, where uh, the Pope or the Cardinals don't canonize someone after so many years, or they perform some type of miracle, they'll say that they cannot be classified as a saint. But scripturally, that's not what a saint is. Scripturally, biblically, a saint is someone that's saved. So if you're saved, you are a saint. You know, sometimes people will say, I'm a Christian, but I'm no saint. It's an oxymoron. You can't have that. You're either a Christian and a saint, or you're an eight. Okay? Okay? So if you're a Christian, you are a saint. You don't wait for the pastor to canonize you as a saint 300, 400 years later. Okay? When we are born again, we are saved. We are sanctified, we are set apart, we are called to be saints. Go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6, verse 11. Lord. And uh, so if you're saying you are no longer 
a slave to sin, but a free servant of Christ. Can you choose to sin? Sure. But why choose to sin when you're dead to sin? When God saved you from this sin, choose your liberty to be free in Christ. The change, the change, this change of one's primary love and primary desires occurs at the beginning of sanctification, which is regeneration. Okay, what is generate, generation? Okay, you know, you found out maybe a seed and um, it germinates and then it, it generates, and so how it will grow. You know, when we are born again, we are regenerated, that, that we are born again. Our spirit is born um, when we're saved. And so that's the beginning of our sanctification. Number two, sanctification increases throughout life. It's progressive. It, it continues to grow. That while we are sanctified at salvation, we continue to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ as we grow in our walk with Him. And so even though the New Testament speaks about a definite beginning of sanctification, it also sees that it's a process that continues throughout our Christian lives. I hope that I've grown spiritually compared to where I was 10 years ago. But you know that if we examine our lives, sometimes there may be some areas that we've grown in, maybe other areas we've backslidden in. Maybe sometimes that fire, that passion of that new love, that new zeal of when we were originally saved, sometimes that could wane. Is Jesus told the church says that told one of the church say you have lost your first love. Says, yeah, you're faithful. Yes, you have good doctrine, but you've lost your first love. And when that happens, you know, we want to turn around, we realize it and recognize it and remember those first fruits when we were renewed unto repentance. Although Paul says that his readers have been set free from sin and that they're dead to sin and alive to God, he nonetheless recognizes that sin remains in their lives. So he tells them to not let it bring in their life, not to yield to it. Their task, therefore, as Christians is to grow uh, uh, more and more in their sanctification. Just as before, they grew more and more in their sin. And their sin perhaps became an addiction to that sin. Well, now that we're sanctified, saved, that we should be growing more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with open face beholding, as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so progressively we grow more and more like Christ. Paul told of the church at Philippi in Philippians 3, 12 to 14. Not as though I had already attained, neither were already perfect. Okay, Paul, he said he was the chief of sinners. That's how he saw himself. That he was the chief of sinners. And he said, 
It's not as if I've already attained the supreme spiritual giant of a lie. Says he's far from perfect, that he is not attained, that he is not already perfect. But he says this, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended that again to arrive, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so Paul goes, I am not perfect yet. I have not yet arrived. Other people now, they saw Paul as God. They saw Paul and Barnabas. Now these weren't Christian people. These were unbelievers, pagans. But when they saw Paul and they saw Barnabas and they saw the miracles they did, they're like, these are gods from Mars and Mercury. And they're like, no, we be but men. We be but servants. But we can tell you of the one true God. And so we want to be careful too that we don't idolize any people. Now it's good to have mentors that we look up to. So many people have had their faith kind of feel shipwrecked because they saw people that they honor fall, stumble, and sin. But you're not to be conformed to the image of your mentor. You're to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so when other people fall, keep looking to Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He didn't say, follow me when I go astray from Christ. Just follow me as I follow Christ. So he says, I have not apprehended. I have not yet arrived. But this one thing I do, and that is forgetting that which is beyond, that old nature, that sin you struggle with. Okay? If you've been sanctified, you've been saved in Christ, and maybe you have a past of alcohol abuse, but don't keep referring to yourself as a drunkard. I know that's contrary to AA. They want you would think you're always a drunkard. You're just a recovering. No, when you're in Christ, all things are passed away. And yes, you maybe progressively are sanctified, but that is no longer your identity in Christ. Yield to Christ. Forget the things of the past and press toward the thing of Jesus Christ. Press toward Him. Progressively grow in your sanctification. 1 Peter 1.13 Peter writes, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Is obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which have called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons, judge them according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. That Peter is addressing the believers to grow, to be holy. That your God is holy. So be holy. 
And so sometimes, again, those struggles of sin we have, we need to set them apart, away from us, and set ourselves apart and, and focus on our identity in Jesus Christ. That we set ourselves apart from the evil, from the, the weakness of the flesh, and follow the Spirit of God. Sanctification is progressive. When you get saved, you are not just going to be all of a sudden a perfect good Christian. There's still the flesh. That's where Paul says, the things that I would, I do not, and the things that I would not, that I do, but I would, I would not. It's very confusing when you read it. Okay? But he says, it's a struggle, but don't give up. Yield to the Spirit. Yield to the Spirit. Don't give in to the flesh. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You know, this is probably an illustration that's maybe overused, but it, it, I think it portrays it pretty well as far as sanctification. That um, when um, it, someone was trying to explain sanctification and um, after he was talking to a Native American and, and just asking, them um, um, questions and stuff, and he said, like, the Spirit of God in me is kind of like, you know what, there's the white dog in me, and there's the black dog in me, and they're at war with one another, and they fight, that the white dog wants me to do right, and the black dog wants me to do what I want to do, even if it's wrong, and the guy goes, which dog wins, and he says, whatever one I feed the most. Which one I feed the most? That's the one that's going to be stronger. And so the Spirit of God is not a dog, so don't um, please misunderstand the illustration, but that's how the Native American understood it and how to try to put it in terms that what you feed is what's going to win. And if you're feeding your temptation over and over, you're going to keep on falling in it. You're going to continue to struggle with that sin the more you keep feeding it the more you entertain it. But the more you walk in the Spirit, the Spirit will be in you, will make you be able to be stronger, to abstain from the sin that you're tempted to do. Now, sanctification is completed at death for our souls. And when the Lord returns for our bodies, because there is sin that still remains in our hearts, that we know we have become Christians, our sanctification will not be completed in this life, but when we go to be with the Lord. But once we die and go to be with the Lord, then our sanctification is completed in one sense. For our souls are set free from involved sin and made perfect. The author of Hebrews says that when we come into the presence of God to worship, um, that there are the spirits of just men made perfect. Justified men, men that have been sanctified, men that have been saved, and then they are made perfect. And it is only appropriate because it is an anticipation of the fact that nothing unclean, that defile, that works abominations, shall enter into the presence of God. Or the heavenly city is found in Revelation 21, 27. 
And so when we go to be with the Lord, our soul is completely cleansed, and then we are made completely in the image of Christ, in that we are without sin then. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that called you, who also will do it. And so there's that sanctification, that there's the sanctification of our spirit, and that when we're born again, the sanctification of our soul, and that as we grow in our faith, and then the sanctification of our body, or to wit, the Bible says, the adoption of our body, that when we're adopted and when we're, uh, our body is resurrected, that then we are made completely in the image of Christ. And where the, the Bible says in heaven, there will be no more tears, there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more pain, there will be no more sickness, there will be no more death. Our body will be completely sanctified. Philippians 3.20 says, For our conversation is in heaven, from which also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vital body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So sanctification, and we get, get some music playing in the background, we'll have a time of invitation, um, that if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, if you don't know if you have eternal life, and ye are not yet sanctified positionally. We are not sanctified positionally until we come to a faith in Jesus Christ. And his death, burial, and resurrection. And having an understanding that he died for our sins and that he rose again for our justification. And so um, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, beg of you to come talk with me after church and um, come hold me aside and we'll show you from the Word of God how you can know for sure that you have eternal life. That you don't even have to doubt it. That it doesn't even have to be a maybe so or a I hope so. But it could be I know so. God wants us to have that seat here. If you are already saved, would you use the altar, use your purity chair, your Ask God, Lord, help me to be more sanctified. Help me to grow in my walk with Christ. To be conformed more to the image of your Son. One day, we'll be completely glorified or completely sanctified. Just have time of prayer, one of prayer.
Dear Heavenly Father, and I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody in here that's not, not know you as your Savior, that today would be the day that they would get that assurance. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you continue to sanctify us, to set us apart for your work, your mission, set us apart to grow in the Spirit. Help us, Lord, not to draw back continue to grow in our walk. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you reveal everybody in here areas for them to grow in their walk. That they'll commit their ways to you and that you'll direct their steps. And we await that you completely sanctify us. Because we see that Paul wrote that he had a desire to depart to be with the Lord. At that time, it was more needful for him to be amongst the people. And right now, you have all of us here, Lord, so that you have a purpose for us. May we sanctify that purpose in you, Lord, and do what your will is. Lord, we just pray, Lord, also for a time of fellowship afterwards that we have in store. Um, maybe there's some, some snacks over there, maybe not a full-on potluck, but... Um, um, some snacks and some food, and I was just pray for you bless that time and the time of fellowshipping with one another. That part of sanctification is um, growing in um, closer to one another, and spreading and exhorting and encouraging one another. And uh, may we see that today in Jesus' name, Amen.